Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code. My name is Paul, and as always, this is brought to you by Electrical Code Academy Incorporated. And before I get started, I want to encourage you to visit our websites, share our websites. Again, 99.9% of the stuff on these websites are free. I'm here to help you. If you have an apprentice or a journeyman who's looking to take an exam or interested now, if you need some one-on-one coaching or counseling, uh, that is for for purchase, obviously, because my time is very important. And I give a lot of it to to the industry here, uh, teaching classes and, and uh, videos and all that. But if you want some one-on-one stuff, then it you know, will cost you a little bit. Not a lot. Not a lot, but a little bit. And uh, actually, I'll answer any question you have. It doesn't matter what it is. I am not one of those educators that will hide. In other words, give you the basic stuff and then hide from the more complicated stuff. I like to talk everything. I walk through everything. And if I can't give you the answer, trust me, I won't be able to sleep until I can give you a full answer. Anyway, I also am known for answering questions and and making them as basic as possible for people to understand. Remember, as I say on my website, as I say on our Facebook forum, I encourage you to go to our Facebook forum and join. We have a closed group that you can join as well if you're an electrician or a journeyman or an engineer or whatnot, where you can ask any question without fear of anybody jumping down your throat, because that ain't going to happen. I can promise you that. Um... And of course, we have all our videos up on YouTube that you can watch, as well as some of the videos are on our website. And I'm not really accurate. At, I mean, I don't I don't update the videos on the website as as, as often as I should. If you want to get the most latest videos, you got to go to our YouTube channel, and you can get to that from the website masterthenec.com uh, or electricalcodeacademy.com or whatever. And of course, there's .net.org on all those as well. Uh, and then there's Mastering the NEC, there's the NEC Wizard. I mean, I got so many URLs, but um, they all send you back to one place. Um, and you can you can get a lot of information, Twitter, I send things out and all that, so enough of that. So today's episode is for one of our listeners who sent me a question this morning. I mean, here it is. Um, I love I love our listeners, man. I got thousands and thousands of listeners who don't always subscribe to things because you don't need to subscribe because as I tell people, I'm constantly putting out new new stuff. So you can subscribe if you want, but just check back often and you'll see things like like my um Spreaker. I don't have very few people signed up to that, but I know by the clicks that I have thousands and thousands of listeners. And for the smart aleck out there, no, it's not me clicking it over and over again. <laughs> Anyway, so JB, that's our listener. JB sent me a question. And JB goes, uh, Hi, Paul. I really like your videos and you too. I would like you to explain why on main panels the common and grounding bus bars are bonded, but not on sub panels. Uh, I don't know or understand the reason for this. Thanks in advance for your help. Well, JB, this is a common question that is asked uh, a lot. And it's... It's, it's a good question because people need to understand uh, the, the importance of the basics. And, um, you know, we as electricians can go through our entire career uh, installing things and not really understand why we're doing it. Uh, two different concepts can be because the code says do it this way 
Uh, and we do it this way. So we blindly go through and do what the code says because that's what we've been taught. And, and there's nothing wrong with that as long as you have somebody there over your shoulder that can kind of give you that, well, this is why we do it. And a lot of apprentices get that in their apprentice school. The IBEW and NECA and all them do a wonderful job. Uh, in fact, their education is top notch. Uh, IEC as well, Independent Electrical Contractors uh, Association, uh, great. You know, I'm not a union guy, but I support the union guys. Um, so, um, and I teach a lot of them. Uh, instantly, uh, bef- JB, before I get into your question, I have to tell people that on March uh, March 7th, uh, from 12 to 4, I am doing a 2017 National Electrical Code update uh, at the Electro Expo that's in Ohio. I think it's Cleveland. Uh, for those out there that are on the list or signed up, I, I think I told you in another podcast that you better sign up quick because there's a bunch of courses that go on during these events and the rooms just are limited size. And uh, I think within days, the the one for our 2017 update sold out. So it, it already... Uh, it's already gone, um, and I think it was a uh, hundred seats in the room, and that's packing it. Because uh, if you ever been to these conventions, it's they're you know there's very limited space. They don't expect a lot of people, and usually you don't RSVP it. You just go and you kind of stumble in. Because uh, I am getting giving CEU credits, you're not having to pay for it. It's going to ultimately cost us. You know, probably five or six or seven hundred dollars to give this to the the electricians and, and things like that. But that's part of what we do. It's sponsored by Encore Wire, uh, and I'm going to be teaching it for them. And, and Electrical Code Academy Inc. is the is the educational body that's given that. And you know, so it, the room holds a hundred people, but I think they already have 150 people signed up. So I'm interested to see how that's going to work. I'd hate to think somebody's going to stand. 50 people are going to have to stand for four hours, but hey, you do what you do to get credit, right? It's, and it's free. Why not get it, right? And I love giving it. I love giving the training. I love offering it to people. And so um, look for a podcast coming out here shortly that talks about the service that I have where if you have a, a uh, your maintenance crew or you're a big corporation or big company and you have and you need to have some continuing ed uh, i do offer a service where i come and do a class for you uh teach you the updates eight hour update training uh or whatever um and so or calculations or motors or whatever you want um but anyway enough of that so jb i'm sorry because you listened to this for six minutes and thinking why didn't you just answer the question all right well let's talk code first jb let's look at the fact that if you turn it in that, oh, I should say that I am actually serve on code making panel five, which deals with grounding and bonding. So this kind of falls into this area. Grounding and bonding is kind of you know my area of expertise, if you will. Uh, well, one of them. Um, I'm certainly not a know-it-all, but you know that's area where I find the most intriguing. And what you find out in your career is if you find areas that are most intriguing, you tend to migrate to that. So. Um, JB, what you want to look at is if you have a code book and it really didn't change from cycle for the last couple cycles or even more than that, I would suppose. It's it's 250.24 is where we want to start. So we want to understand the foundation of code first. And if you go there, you'll notice that if you if you go to that area of the code, and you'll notice that it's that you have an item and it's going to be 250.24A5. 
Now that makes that's the first statement that we make in the code, and, and I'll go into some details in, in a minute. And I'm going to keep it as as basic as possible. Uh, item five says load size grounding connections. Okay, so you have your main, and, and let's talk about a main panel first. Just your regular panel. Uh, let's say you go from the meter straight into a house. Let's say we'll keep it as a house. Keep it simple, and you're coming to the top of a, what's called a main breaker. Uh, and there are many people say it, no, it's a service disconnection means. You know, for simplicity's sake, I'm going to say your main breaker. Could it be fuses? Most certainly could be fuses. But let's just keep it simple. Uh, a lot of people, you know, you get, there's all kind of critics out there who say, oh, well, you called it this, this, this. For example, you call it a sub-panel. There's a, there's a certain person out there who, who really gets a, their panties in a wad when they hear the term sub-panel. But, you know, I'm a realist. I think we all know what it is, so lighten up, right? Oh, but you're teaching the industry these slangs. Whatever, dude. I can do whatever I want. Until you have your own podcast and go out there and do your own thing, shut up. All right, so so JB, between me and you, um, we look at 250.24A5, and that says load side grounding connections. So when, we, when it comes from the meter, you know, you come from the service point, uh, utility drops it down, or whether it's on a service lateral on the ground, or service conductors overhead, and it comes to the point of attachment, it comes down, goes to the meter, and then goes to the panel, main panel. So that's line side connections. Once you hit the, the conductors that come in, now there's really there's slightly some overload protection because of the limitations by that breaker you're hitting, and we're going to use breaker, uh, but there's no short circuit of ground fault protection there. Uh, because there's nothing ahead of it. Now, there is a fuse probably out near the transformer, and that's because of all the multiple grounding points and the, and the higher voltage on the primary side, which is way more than we need to get into here. Uh, for all intents and purposes, from the secondary side in, there's really there's no protection there. Okay, So you do keep from overloading those conductors that go down from the pole, down to the meter, through the meter to the panel, uh, because you're limiting the amount of current that can be drawn based on this breaker that you're hitting. But that's all those connections on the, are line side connections. We're dealing with load side connections. So what the code tells us, and the code's trying to tell us, look, this is a minimum safety standard. So here's what it says in the code. And again, if you're following along or you have your code book and you want to highlight this, uh, is 250.24A5. And it says load size grounding connections. It says a grounded conductor shall not be connected to normally non-current carrying metal parts of equipment to equipment grounding conductors or be reconnected to ground on the load side of the service disconnection means except as otherwise permitted in this article. And the otherwise permitted are provisions that are given to you, for example, for separate structures, which might be existing, and you got to meet all those rules in 250.32, and and or you might have some separately derived system application in 250.30. I don't think that's your question. If it is, we'd love to do a follow-up. But let's talk about the problem with making these connections downstream. All right? So... One of the things to remember is when we say grounded conductor, keeping it simple, we're talking about that gray or that white conductor or that conductor other than green with three white or gray stripes, you know, that type of that type of scenario that's being used as a grounded conductor. Now, there is a difference between a grounded conductor and a neutral conductor in, in the way that the code uses it. 
But just remember that all neutral conductors, and it is neutral between phases, and that's again not necessary for this you know explanation. But they're always grounded because in order to be the grounded conductor, at some point in the system, usually back at the transformer, it is directly connected to Earth. So it is grounded. Uh, now, it is also done in the service equipment because we're required to do that and bring the grounding electrode conductor that's going out to the grounding electrode and everything back and make that common connection uh, to the grounded conductor. So in theory, it is grounded okay that connection is grounded all right so this is our grounded conductor now it could be a neutral means that for example to make it simple for you when you come from a transformer and you're coming down to that main panel you've got two hots and a neutral that neutral is also serving as return current path uh, but it is neutral between both of the phases in other words if it's a 12240 between the two hots, it'd be 240. Between any new, that neutral to any one of those hots, it's going to be 120. So it is neutral between the two phases. Okay, so I'm going to keep it based just that basic. And for the critics out there who say go in more detail, again, shut up. That's we're talking basics. Okay, if you don't like it, turn off the podcast. This one is just for JB. If you get anything out of it, who's not JB? Okay. Congratulations, but this is for my buddy JB. All right, Jay. So, so the code's telling us not to make that connection downstream except where it's permitted in the code. And there are specific allowances in 250.30 and 250.32. And there's also an allowance in 250.142 for existing applications for things like um, ranges and dryers that were existing or a certain wiring configuration. Okay, but we're talking just the basics. Now, what are the hazards? Well, the other thing we want to look at, uh, JB, is you got to go back and look at 250 basically back in part one. And you really are trying to do something, and that is we don't want to have objectionable currents. We don't want to have currents circulating on these potential metal parts. Now, current is going to flow when there's differences of potential. And so what happens is, if you take these metal parts, and let's say that remote distribution panel, you're called a sub-panel, downstream. Now we know that current has to be a closed-loop system, or, or the, the circuit has to be closed-loop system. So it goes out, let's keep it simple, goes out, we have current draw, and it comes back, and it completes that circuit. Well, if we know that in a regular, let's say, non-metallic sheath cable, okay, just a you know, that, that non-metallic type jacketed cable system you see in residential houses all the time. It's got a black and a white. So because of the sinusoidal waveform and how the waveform works, you've got, you know, let's say we've got a load on the other end. You've got current being drawn and you've got returning current, okay? So you've got this, this constantly uh, process going on, all right? And so you know that there's going to be current at any given time on the neutral conductor, uh, and that is, you know, and, and it is a current carrying conductor. Um, so on this conductor, you, you know that if I were to take it and I were to connect it to metal parts downstream, then conceivably, based on the connections, based on the you know how something's loose or not the return path, and again, you hear this old saying that 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 electricity takes the path of least resistance. Well, 
proportionally it does because it takes all paths depending on the impedance of that path and we're dealing with impedance because you know in this case we're talking ac systems um then you're going to have a certain amount of current that travels now the level of current that travels on it is going to be again proportional to the impedance of that path uh, obviously a wire that's bringing it back is going to have the best low impedance path uh, and it's going to allow that current to flow if you will, if you want to use the current flow theory, it's going to allow it to do what it needs to do. Uh, if you impede it in any way, it's going to try to find another path that's got low in, lower impedance uh, to, in order to get back to its source. All currents trying to get back to its source, and I'm really keeping it really basic in that. Now, uh, and it's not basic for you, JB. I, I'm keeping it basic for anybody that would listen to the podcast so they understand it. So if you make a connection downstream, you're imposing these non-current carrying metal parts to potentially have current on them. So let's do this. Let's say that I do an improper case to neutral downstream uh, in a remote distribution panel. In other words, I put the... Uh, the um, Equipment grounding conductor uh, because it is remote, so I got to have four conductors, two hots of neutral, and a in equipment ground, and I have to isolate the two, as you know, in the remote distribution panel. We call many people call sub panel. If I tie them together improperly, then what happens is I have return current coming back on the equipment grounding conductor, which is not supposed to carry current except for in a fault condition. I have, which means it, and that gets directly bonded to all metal parts. Now I potentially have current traveling on all metal parts getting back to the source. Now, if that connection to the neutral, heaven forbid, that connection degrades over time, then I have proportionally more current traveling on the metal, and it becomes a hazardous condition. Uh, If you're in an environment where it could be a problem with, let's say, using uh, EMT as an equipment grounding conductor and you have loose fittings. You could potentially, if something happened to the neutral and you made an improper case to neutral downstream, you could have arcing taking place between two barely touching metal components that are now being treated as a conductor uh, because of an improper case to neutral connection. So you create a hazard. Um, It's a hazard not only to people touching it, it's a hazard, hazard to potentially in contact with uh, combustible material if it's a large enough issue where the neutral's degraded enough uh, downstream uh, and that return current comes back. So you're keeping these separated so that you don't create another path back for current to travel. Now, objectionable currents can cause a lot of things. Uh, if you have something called objectionable currents, then you can have it uh, theoretically cause problem with electronics, a lot of noise. Uh, yes, it's you know that noise that you might get is 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 not necessarily a hazard, but it does cause operational issues with some things. And you know the code addresses that and says, well, that stuff is not really you know, a problem. I mean, it's calling data errors in electronics, and that's not really considered objectionable current, but it can still be a nuisance, right? But I mean, that's a nuisance thing. That's not a hazard thing. Um, A lot of people, when you have these improper case-to-neutral connections downstream, uh, you'll also have people which creates an elevated EMF field, and you'll have people who are hypersensitive to that, 
uh, will have problems with it. And it creates this issue where they have a spiking EMF. And next thing you know, if it's high levels, you know, people start getting paranoid and whatnot. And again, I'm not into that. I don't know the theories of that. I try to stay out of that, even though I have written an article on it. But for this episode, I am not touching that. Okay. Uh, what I will tell you that people are hypersensitive to that. So I've had to help people understand in, in, in using a um, milligauss meter to understand maybe to mitigate high EMF fields around certain areas where they spend a lot of time. Uh, but the thing about it is I don't do that for that part of it. We do that to find improper case to neutral connections and luminaires most notably. Uh, a lot of older buildings had that. And we try to minimize the case to neutral one because of the safety concern. Okay, so that is your concern with the case to neutral applications downstream. Now, in some of the areas where it allows it, there are caveats that you have to meet. Okay, so we know that it gets done most notably in 250.32, 250.142. But again, you have to meet these certain rules there and, um, and you just need to know about them. But as to answer your question, it really is just an issue of trying to make sure that you understand that case to neutrals downstream could allow currents to travel on metal parts and you're trying to keep them isolated. That's why your grounded conductor or neutral in most cases residentially, um, that it needs to be isolated downstream. Okay. Uh, and so the equipment grounding conductor, typically green insulated or bare, uh, is what bonds the case, the metal case, uh, junction boxes, metal parts, and all that. But downstream, you want it to not be in contact with the grounded conductor. And because you do know that current will be traveling on that grounded conductor. It's, it's, now, if it's a multi-wire branch circuit, again, the amount of current that would travel on a neutral conductor is, again, uh, minimized by a balanced system. Okay. Uh, if I had a 14.3, for example, and I'm, you know, non-metallic sheet cable and I've got 10 amps on a red and 10 amps on a black, then I'm going to have theoretically zero onto the grounded neutral conductor in all perfect world, but nothing ever works out perfectly like that. So, um, and it doesn't take but a tenth of an amp to get you. So in reality is the safer we can be, uh, and there's nothing wrong with the multi-wire brand circuit. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying the case to neutral component is a problem. And that's the beauty of AFCI devices. People want to give them a bad rap, but you know what? Tell you what, buddy, a lot of those devices can detect improper case to neutral connections downstream of the service disconnection means or the service equipment. And that's a good thing. You know, just because that unit gives you a, a notice that something's wrong doesn't mean you have to say that the, that the AFCI device is a piece of crap. That's certainly not right. It needs it. For me as an electrician, I hear all electricians griping about it. And in my reality is, one, it gives you some work because you get to go out and troubleshoot and you get paid for it. Stop blaming the manufacturers. They're just trying to help, man. They're trying to create products. Are they perfect? Hell no. But are they close as they can get there? They're getting there. They're getting there, buddy. I'm telling you what. So at any rate, it is a good thing. And God, did Martha Stewart say that? I don't know. It's a good thing. Anyway, there you go, JB. Uh, hopefully that explains it to you, my friend. Take care. I appreciate your question. God bless and keep the questions coming. Uh, I know it's early here uh, on the Central Standard Time, but I wanted to answer your question because, again, I am up early, always answering questions. Uh, my life is dedicated to answering code questions and helping people learn. 
If you want to knock me for that and you want to rip me apart on some of those old message boards where you got about 10 people who only ones that visit it and they want to start trouble, go for it. If you really want to learn something and you want to learn with me, I learn something new every day, my friends, and this is the place to be. Share it with your apprentices. Share it with your electricians. Share it on your social media. Visit our websites. Visit. Log into our Twitter. Log into our Facebook. Show me that you got the love for Master the NEC. Uh, I'll do whatever I can to help you. I always will. I will until my last breath. It's not about the money with me. It's about helping you. Okay? All right. God bless y'all. Take care, and hopefully, JB, this answered your question.